I agree it's good to get, for us to be back together again. And it's good to see, slowly but surely, we're coming back. Some of us are still not able to or willing to come back, and that's okay. But those of you that have come back and, and braved the elements, thank you. We appreciate you being here. We'll take every precaution to keep you safe while you're here. Uh, Ronnie's going to tell you when he does the announcements, but Sunday school begins next week again as well. So we'll be taking precautions in the classrooms uh, as well. So please feel free to come back and be a part of that and uh, join us for that as well. So that'll be a little slower probably picking up, but we're uh, looking forward to the time when we can, we can all be back together again completely. You know, whenever we talk about the gospel, we talk about the gospel being that Jesus died for our sins and he paid for the penalty of our sins, and that's true. But did you know that that's not all of the gospel? Now, the word gospel basically means good news, and there's more good news than just the fact that Jesus paid for the penalty of your sins. In other words, the death on the cross secured so much more for us. And one of the things that we're taught in Scripture is that not only have we been saved from the penalty of our sin, but we've also been saved from the power of sin. This is part of the gospel that you may not understand as far as putting these two together. Um, It's usually, we don't go into all that when you're talking to somebody about their salvation, but this is an, an important part, and there's a great deal of scripture that talks about this, that because of the death of Christ on the cross, that we not only have been forgiven for sin, but we also have now the power to live a righteous life, that that death um, affects that. It it plays into that, and it makes it possible for us to live righteously. And so this is the part of the the story that we're going to be talking about today. This is part of, of the message on grace that sometimes we don't finish or talk about, but I do want to talk about it today. Let me take you back for a moment to the creation Let's go back to the Garden of Eden, and I've, I've taken you there before and talked to you about this, but I want to use this as part of our introduction. We go back to the Garden of Eden, and what we find is Adam and Eve in the Garden, and Adam having been created in what the Bible terms innocence. In other words, he wasn't righteous because he hadn't been tested. So he still had to be tested in order for him to, for God to say whether he's righteous or not. But he was innocent. And in that situation, in that relationship, he walked with God in the garden, we're told. He talked to God. Man, wouldn't you like to have been a fly on the wall for those conversations? When God comes in the cool of the evening, the Bible says, and he walks with Adam in the garden, what do they talk about? Man, I don't know. But I'm guessing God's probably teaching him things and talking to him about things, telling him about life because he knows nothing about life. And they just have a relationship. It's as if Adam is plugged in to the God of the universe. But it wasn't too long until sin entered and Adam made a, an ungodly choice. And the Bible says that Adam on that day died. He died spiritually. Now, he didn't die for another 930 years, the Bible tells us, physically. But the Bible also says that he, he died that day because, in a sense, he's separated now from the source of life. What he used to do in this relationship with God, the intimacy, the relationship, the talking, the love that they shared together, that was no longer available to him, and he was cast out of the garden. So the Bible looks at that, and God says that you have died spiritually. 
And that same depravity, that same condition, that same alienation from God has been passed down now to us throughout generations till we come here today in, in 2020 and we're still living uh, uh, as unbelievers as a, as a world now. Unbelievers living in a depraved situation, alienated from God. But then the Bible says that the Lord sent his son, he died on the cross, and we were, now get this now, we were reconciled to God. Well, what does that mean? Well, reconciled means to join back together. If a husband and wife are alienated and going through a divorce and they decide in the process to get back together and, and keep the marriage together, then they have been reconciled. <clears throat> How can we be reconciled? To a God that we've never known. When we come to Christ by faith, how can we be reconciled? Well, he's looking back. The Bible's looking back to what it was originally. They're looking back to the way it was with Adam. They're looking back to that relationship and that intimacy and that love and the, what they shared together. And they're saying now that in Christ, we're going back now to this intimacy, this relationship, where we walk with God, we talk with God, we are loved by God. And there's this relationship because now by faith we've been reconciled to him. Now, the problem is this, that we in our, our way of thinking as Christians, we understand and believe because the Bible says so that Jesus died for us and we've been forgiven. Where we struggle as Christians is with, the, with this concept of being reconciled because we still think we're alienated from God. You see, we'll st we still think that somehow, for some reason, maybe because, of, maybe because of choices that we've made or our history or things that have happened to us or we've been told all of our lives, you know, God doesn't accept you. God won't love you. God rejects people like you. And yet the Bible keeps telling us that you've been reconciled to God and it is as if the Bible is trying to get you to see that you've been, in a sense, in modern vernacular, you've been rebooted spiritually you've been brought back to life spiritually you've been joined back to god the way it was intended in the beginning now this is referred to as i have told you in the series this is your new identity this is who you are the problem is we don't know it we don't understand it and therefore we don't believe it and we continue to live as people who are trying to please god and earn his love and his favor by the things that we do now, we're going to talk about that. That's important, the things that we do. But you need to understand that comes out of your understanding of your relationship. And when I understand who I am in Christ, when I understand my new identity, then it changes everything. It changes everything. So this is what we're going to be talking about today. Living by faith. What does that mean? Because we are told in Scripture that we are to live by faith now as believers. So let me pose that question. What does it mean? Have you ever wondered about that? What does it mean when God says, or the Scripture tells us in numerous places, that we are to live by faith? What could that possibly mean? Now here are some logical answers or conclusions that we come to. Well, to live by faith means that I, I have faith in God's provision for me. Well, that's true. Or I have faith in God's protection. Have faith that God's going to answer my prayers. Have faith that God loves me. That sort of thing. And all of that's true. 
But in the context, and I'm going to show you this now, of the few passages where that is mentioned about living by faith, that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about having faith that God's going to take care of you, but although that's true, that's not what he's talking about when we look at this. It's something different. And it's very important that you understand that because whenever we are told to live by faith, this is critical. We need to understand this. And we're not talking about faith and just praying through and hanging on and trusting and believing that something's going to happen when it may be a dozen. That's not what it's talking about. So we're going to be looking at this, and I want to begin by showing you just three verses real quick, just to show you what I'm talking about. One of them is in Romans chapter 1, verse 17. And it says this, For in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. All right, now we read through that. We've read it a hundred times. Some of you committed it to memory. But do you know what it's saying? You see, sometimes we just read things, our own understanding, our own ideas, our own thoughts. We read it into Scripture and not allow Scripture to read to us and to tell us what it is that he's saying. So in context, in other words, this is very important, when Paul wrote this to the Roman church, what was he saying? He's saying, now watch. He's saying, look, the gospel, in the gospel message, it's the righteousness of God that has been revealed. That is not God's righteousness. It's a righteousness that comes from him. That's what's revealed. He tells you in the next phrase. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. He's saying, look, when you put your faith in Christ, and we've talked about this in the weeks past in this series, that God declares you righteousness. It's a righteousness that comes from God that's given to you, and it's all of God. From first to last, from beginning to end, everything that I'm telling you, he says, stems from God. It wasn't you. He said, and this righteousness has been given to you. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. And then he says this, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Okay, so here you and I are. We've been declared righteous. We're believers in Christ. And now we're told to live by faith. Faith in what? What is it we're believing? We're believing this positional truth that he's told us, that you are righteous. Folks, it is so important that you understand that God is saying to you and me, I have done something here, and I need you to understand it, and I need you to believe it because it will change your life. So I need you to believe that as you sit there today with all of the things that are going through your mind and your heart and your spirit and all of the guilt and all the shame and all the stuff that you feel, you need to believe with all of your heart that what I'm telling you is true, that in my sight, because of your faith in Jesus Christ, you are righteous. That's who you are. Now, let's look at the next verse. It's in Galatians 2.20. Here's what it says. Paul, again, writing to the Galatian church, he says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, there it is again. The life that I live, I live by faith. Well, what does that mean? Okay, look at the context. 
I've been crucified with Christ. Do you realize that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, that you were there? You see, we get hung up on this whole thing of time. We think that everything is linear. One thing happens and the next thing happens. We measure time by clocks and calendars. But in the mind of God, and this is told throughout Scripture, that God put the plan of salvation before He ever created the world. That you were found in Him, in His mind, in His heart, before the world was ever created. That He sees you in heaven, seated there, already. With God, there is no time, and we keep getting hung up on this. This is why God can talk in statements of things having already happened that haven't happened yet. So here Paul, he says, I've been crucified with Him. I was there. I don't live any longer. It's not me. The old man died. My old identity is dead. And what now lives in me is Christ, and shining through me in this life is the reality, the life, the personality of Jesus Christ. And so now the body that I live, here's how I live it. I have to live it by faith because I have to believe that that's true. Why? Because it's in the Bible. See, the things that I'm telling you are here in the Scripture, and God is saying, now if you're going to live and have victory in this life and have power over sin and conquer all of this and live a righteous life, practically speaking, you have to believe and understand what I have told you is true and live on that basis. Now one last verse, and then we'll move to the passage I really want to show you. No. Galatians, I'm sorry, Galatians 3.11. He says, clearly... No one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. Here it is again. The righteous are going to live by faith. Faith in what? You know, faith that you're righteous, faith that that you have been crucified with Christ, and faith that living by the law and trying to keep your nose clean and do the right thing isn't going to save you and make you righteous. It's all of God start to finish. And when it gets down to the bottom line, when we're told to live by faith in Scripture, we are being told that we have to live every day believing and understanding what God says is true about us, not what other people say. Not what we feel, not what we think, not what we've always understood. You've got to throw it all out the window and start over. Because you and I have got to come to the realization that what God says about us is different than what you're going to hear in most pulpits what you're going to hear from most friends, what you're going to read in most books, because everybody is looking at how you live, keeping your nose clean, doing the right thing, and then God will love you and accept you. God says it's just the opposite. You've got to understand what I've already done and that you have the power to live differently. And that's what we're going to be talking about. Now today, let me explain something. You have several kind of sermons, okay? There's several ways to do sermons. Um, I have preached to you where I've given you three points and some illustrations and a challenge at the end. There are times, though, where you need to just look at the Scripture very closely and dig in. Today has to be one of those times, okay? So we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture, and I'm going to be digging in. Now, some of you, I, I see your eyes glazing over. You know, you figure this is a good sleep time because... You're just bored with study of Scripture. And I'm asking you to do something here, okay? I'm going to take about 15, 20 more minutes to take you through this passage of Scripture. 
and we both know that's probably a lie. But anyway, 15, 20 more minutes is my goal to take you through this passage of Scripture. Then at the end, I'm going to give you some homework. I'm going to give you something to do this week. And then we're going to go. But I'm, I need you to pay attention and follow along and track with me, okay? Don't be thinking about what you're going to do for day, what, today. What are you going to do for lunch? That sort of thing. I need you to track with me on this and follow me because this is one of the great passages in the Bible. It talks about what we're going to be looking at, the power of sin in our lives and how to have victory over those things. They just cause us so much trouble. How do I do that? So we're going to be looking at this passage. And the passage is in Romans chapter 6. It's one of those passages that where you have probably read numerous times and you scratch your head thinking, oh my gosh, I just get lost in this thing and I don't understand it. I, I understand your dilemma. I understand your frustration. Just bear with me today and follow along. If you don't like what you hear, you can tear your notes up when you leave, okay? But follow along with me as I go through this. Because in this passage, what I'm telling you, and let me put the premise out there to you, okay? That when we are told to live by faith in the Bible, God is talking about you understanding your identity. That you believe who you are according to the Scripture. That's what he means by living by faith. That yes, you are crucified. Yes, you are justified. All of these things he said, I'm believing it. And when I believe it, then life changes. But you're going to have to be convinced of this. You're going to have to, to, to continually remind yourself of the truth of Scripture. Because there will be satanic lies whispered in your ear, into, into your spirit, that tell you that's not true. And you're going to have to fight it because you're going to have to stand on the Word of God. You're going to have to stand on faith that what God said about me is true and that this is what I believe. So as we look at this today, just keep that in mind, okay? Romans chapter 6, first verse. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Now, this is an odd statement, an odd question. Because Paul, in the first part of Romans, you take the first five chapters of Romans, Paul is talking about how man is depraved and that Jesus came, he's declared you righteous, and, and all of these things there. He says, we, we, like for example, in Romans 3, he talks about, we conclude that a man is justified by faith and not by works of the law. All through there, everything, the gospel's laid out. So this is interesting, now listen, because now he comes to the first part of this chapter. And the logical question that he assumes that everybody's going to be thinking and asking is this. If Jesus has paid it all from the beginning to the end of my life, if I am declared righteous, if I am a child of God, if I am redeemed and reconciled to God, then why not just sin more so that grace can just be poured out more? Isn't that logical? And let me just say this. This is the reason why so many pastors shy away from teaching grace they'll teach grace in the gospel message when they're presenting it to the unbeliever but then after that they revert back to the law do you know why grace scares them to death because if i preach grace as it is told to us in scripture then people will conclude that you can just live in sin and it's okay you know why they conclude that Because that's how amazing grace is. That if you carry it to its logical conclusion, you will think that. 
So that's the question he's assuming that people are going to be asking. And so he just throws it out there. He said, now listen, if you understand what I'm telling you in these first five chapters, I'm t- <laughs> you're going to think that it, you're free to go live in sin. Now watch in verse 2. He says, by no means. He said, that's not what we're talking about. By no means. He said, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live any longer in it? I've died to it, so how can I live in it? Now now watch, because this is important. Paul doesn't say, in answer to the question, why don't we just continue to sin so that grace can just continue to be seen? He doesn't say, well, you don't do that because if you do, you're going to go to hell. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say that if you do that, you're going to prove to everybody you're really not a Christian anyway. He doesn't say that. You know why he says to these people they should not live that way? (laughs) Because of your identity. Because of this thing that God's asking you to believe. That you are crucified. He said, don't you understand that that guy that was a descendant of Adam, the old you, your old identity, he died. And when God raised you up in Christ, it wasn't to go on sinning, it was to be different. That's the reason he did it, to transform you. Now watch. The next verse in verse 3 says, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Jesus were baptized into his death? You know what the word baptized means? It means immersed. If you're immersed in water, you're baptized. It means to get you down under it, get you in it. He's not talking about water baptism. Now, water baptism is a picture of this. He's talking about the reality of your identity. He says, don't you understand that 2,000 years ago, well, really before that, before the world was ever created in the mind of God, this took place. He said, but when Jesus died, you were immersed with him into death. You were immersed with him into the grave. Don't you understand that everything that you have been under Adam, your old identity, that it literally died in the mind of God, you're dead? He said, you've got to understand this, he said. He said, you will always conclude that you can't... You'll conclude that you're nothing but a sinner saved by grace. You ask a person today to tell me who you are. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Bless my heart. No, you're not. And as long as you keep telling yourself that, you're going to keep living in defeat. We've got to believe, walk by faith, believing what God says is true about us. And God said, that guy died. He's dead as a doornail. Let's go on. In verse 4, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. In order that, now this is cause and effect here, watch. He said, we were immersed into his burial in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Ooh, watch. Ooh. You are immersed into this process. In, in God's, remember, there's no time with God, so this has already taken place. 
You were hung on the cross with him. You were immersed into his burial. He said, and just like he rose from the dead, you too rose for the purpose, in order that you can live a different life. You could live a different life. Do you understand? The whole process is to give you the power to live a different life. And as long as you keep telling yourself, well, I'm just that old guy in Adam, and I can't help myself, and I'm just going to come to church each Sunday and confess and plead that God will forgive me and God will save me and God will help me. It's as if Paul is saying, wait a minute, don't you understand? You're going to have to live by faith with this. You're going to have to believe it because this is what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches you're dead. Now live like it. The Bible teaches that you've been resurrected in Christ. Now live like it. Verse 5. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Of course. He said, you've been joined to him. He didn't leave you in the grave. He brought you out to newness of life. He brought you forth to be different. Again, I've got to believe it. I've got to claim it. If I don't understand it, if I don't believe it, then I'll keep telling myself I'm just a poor sinner and live like that. Verses 6 through 7. He says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him. Now watch this. So that, here's that cause and effect again, okay? We know that our old self was crucified with him so that, now here's the purpose, the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Good gosh, do you understand the logic here? Do you, do you see what he's saying? He said, look, he said the old self was crucified with Christ. There was a reason for it. So that the old body, the old identity, the old Adamic identity that we have died. And so now we have the power to change life? Yeah. He said you should no longer be slaves to sin. How many of you are living, I'm not asking for a show of hands, just tell, talk to yourself here. How many of you are living like a slave to sin? You're caught up in something, some habit. Something has grabbed a hold of you and you're like a slave. You're to, the master is just controlling you. It's ruining your life. It could be anything. Do you not understand that that guy died and that you have within you the power to be different? It says here in verse 7, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. You've got to believe it. You live by faith with this. You may not feel like it. People may not agree with you. People may, not, may think differently about you. But the issue is, what does the Bible say is true about me? That's my identity. That's who I am. Look very quickly in verse, verse 8. It says this, Now if we've died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. It's going into verse 9. 
For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. You died once. Do you understand it? You died once in Christ. This is why in the Bible it always talks about us as being in Christ. See, that's the, that's the distinctive feature here. This is not your ability. It's not you deciding to turn over a different leaf. It's what he has done for you in Christ. You died in Christ. You were resurrected in Christ. We walk a new life. We live differently. He said, and this is true. You and I are called upon now to believe it. Sin shall not, or death shall not have mastery over us anymore. Spiritual death, the separation from God. He said, no, no more because of who you are. Verse 10, the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. This is true of you. You died to sin once, now the life that you live, you live for God. Golly, you know, how many times have I told myself over the years... Coming, trying to come to grips with, with this teaching, that you're just a sinner. You know, you struggle through, and, and you're going to be defeated, and it's okay because when you finally leave this earth and get out of this body, it'll all be different. But right now, you just have to, that's just part of it. You just got to live that way. And guys, I'm not saying that the temptation isn't there because it is always there. Because your old flesh, you know, we still live in this body and it has desires. But your identity has changed regardless. So here we are going through life, always telling ourselves lies, always settling for second best, always settling for defeat. When God said, don't you know who you are? All you got to do is believe it and live like it. You've got the power. I've given it to you. But you just... Don't believe it. It's just easier to be lazy and tell yourself you're just a sinner. So here's the pivotal verse, verse 11. Now watch this. He says, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. In the same way, Believe it, he says. That's what it means when he says, count yourselves dead. That means that I've got to believe that I am dead to sin. It doesn't have control of me unless I give it the control. My old man died. My old identity in Adam died. And what I contend with is this flesh that I'm left in and the satanic attacks that keep coming. But when I stand on the truth of what the Bible says, then I conclude and stand up and proclaim, that's not me. That's not me anymore. Because I died. And now I live. Or He lives through me. That's the key. A couple more verses. Now watch very carefully. Verse 12, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Oh my goodness. Don't let it control you. But I can't help myself, Pastor. Yeah, you can. You're calling God a liar. 
God says you're going to have to live by faith. You're going to have to believe that what I'm telling you is true. This is who you are. And now don't you dare let sin control you because you have the power to change. It's right there. In verse 13, he goes on to explain it even more. Watch. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Now watch this, okay? As a Christian, I come to the conclusion that when the Bible tells me that this is a reality, that this is true, that I stand on that. And with total confidence, I look the devil in the eye and I say, get away from me. Because that's not who I am. When I feel the lure of temptation in my soul and I'm drawn away, I stop and I say, no, I don't have to do that. Stop telling yourself a lie. Stop saying you can't control yourself. And take a stand and say, no, that's not who I am. I claim, I claim the truth of what you say. I believe it. I live by faith. I'm telling you now Satan and the flesh and whatever it is I'm dealing with. That's not me. And so get away. And this is what I believe that he's talking about when he says this. He says, do not offer yourselves. Don't make provision for it, the Bible tells you. This, I think, is what Paul talks about later on in chapter 12 of Romans when he says this. He says, I beg you as Christians, please, Present your bodies as living sacrifices to God. You're holy, you're acceptable. Present yourself to God as a living sacrifice. And don't conform to this world anymore, he says. You have the power. Don't do it. But allow yourselves to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why that? Because if I don't believe that I have the power within me to change, I'll never make the effort. And until you're convinced of that, you'll never change. So as a Christian, I finally begin to understand that what I'm battling, I've been telling myself a lie because that's dead. It has no power. Only what I give it. And so I make a choice. I make a choice to walk with God. And when the temptation comes my way, I stand up and I say, that's not what Scripture teaches. When I hear some schmuck on the radio trying to tell me differently, I say, that's not who I am. You may not understand grace, but I do, and that's not who I am. I'm not going to live in fear. I'm not going to live a lie. I'm not going to live in defeat and misery. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to proclaim who I am. I'm going to claim my birthright, and I'm going to be different. Because if He did that for me, How could I live any differently? How could I live any differently? Verse 14, this is the last verse, now watch. He said, For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Sin will not ever be your master if you understand this. If you stand on the reality of God's grace, instead of trying to appease God through the law. You'll be different. 
you'll have victory. So let's summarize this, kind of just pull it into a nutshell here. The Bible teaches that you have died to sin, that you are a new person. Your identity has been changed. It's like you're in witness protection. Think of it that way. You've been hidden away. You're a totally different person. Your old identity is gone. You can't even even claim that name anymore for fear of what might happen. You're totally new. this, This is who you are. This is a new identity. You and I are to live each day believing it. You have to believe it. You live by faith. You have to believe this is true because the Bible said it. And because I believe it, I live it. Because I believe it, I act on it. See, that's the key. If this is really true, and I believe it is, then God has told me I have the power so that I can stand up and rebuke the temptations. I can say, no, that's not who I am. And I'll choose to be different. Here's your assignment, okay? So here's your assignment for this week. It's something that I want you to put into practice and to do. You will be tempted this week. Probably more now than ever. Because if this resonates with you at all, trust me, the attacks are going to come. And so when the, tra- the attacks come, you've got to do several things. And I want you to do that. So whatever the temptations are that you face this week, make a commitment that you're going to practice this, okay? That you're going to, first of all, stand up and procl- proclaim, you know what, that used to be me, but it's not me anymore. That guy died. Bible tells me he's dead. The Bible tells me I don't have to live like that anymore, and I'm not going to. This is what the truth of Scripture is. I'm claiming it. I'm living it this week by faith. I don't have to sin, the Bible tells me, even though I've been told by numerous people, you're just a poor sinner. No, I'm not. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the King. I have been redeemed, reconciled, justified, sanctified, bought with a price, played forgiven by the blood. I am I am different. I'm going to claim it. I'm going to stand up and rebuke Satan to his face and say, that's not me anymore. It's not who I am. And then I'm going to turn around and walk away. This is why the Bible talks about, you know what? You resist the devil, he'll flee. We don't really believe that. So this week I'm asking you to live by faith. I'm asking you to believe what God says. And I'm asking you to put it into practice. The just or the righteous will live by faith. That's who we are. Now let's practice that. Our Heavenly Father, as we bow here before you, Father, we are humbled by the reality of who we are. We're humbled by the fact of what you say about us. Father, we are humbled by the reality that you chose to do this before the world was ever created and, you, and, it, and time just unfolded. That, that something that you had already predetermined and knew in your heart was going to happen. So Father, in your mind all of this time, these things have been true of me. Foolishly, I did not know. Foolishly, I did not believe it. And Father, I have suffered over the years because of it. But Father, help me, I pray, to live this life differently. 
to live in victory because I'm going to step up and claim my birthright. I'm going to claim the reality and the truth of who I am. And I'm going to reject now because I have the power to do so. Reject the temptations that come my way. Father, may we live in your spirit and walk in your spirit in Christ each and every day. Thank you, Father, for loving us. Thank you, Father, for saving us. Father, thank you for the grace that changed our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.